I'm Steve Vibronix, and this is the Life in Dub podcast, talking to people who live their lives in dub and reggae. Episode number 10. Welcome to the 10th Life in Dub podcast, a series that features in-depth interviews with people who've lived their lives in dub and reggae. I hope you're all surviving the corona lockdown okay, and that these podcasts help provide a bit of relief for you all. Again, thanks for all the messages. Keep them coming in, either to vibronics at gmail.com or any of the social media channels. And don't forget, you can visit the podcast website, lifeindub.com. This week, we have something to celebrate because this podcast reaches episode number 10. Really, a very little milestone, but something to enjoy anyway. I have to say, the reaction from all you listeners out there has been my main encouragement to continue. When I launched Life in Dub way back on the 1st of January, I really didn't know if people wanted to spend an hour listening to two people talk with no music or anything, just talking. And an hour is not like listening to a song or two, it's a real commitment. My main experience before this podcast was releasing singles and albums, and podcasts are definitely different. They're much more of a niche thing. And although sometimes it is good to listen more than once to a podcast episode to make sure you get someone's full story, because there's a lot of detail in each interview, but a podcast isn't like a song. It's not something to be listened to on repeat or something that stays with you on your life journey like your favourite songs do. But luckily, it seems, as we reach episode number 10, I can say that people do like podcasts and that people are interested in these stories and these experiences, these views... I started Life in Dub because I'm really interested in what motivates people and what events shape people's lives. So I'd like to thank all my guests for trusting in me and allowing me to share these precious gems with the whole Life in Dub podcast audience. It really means a lot. Looking ahead, there are some great guests lined up and loads more amazing life stories to be shared. So keep tuning in every two weeks. And don't forget, you can listen back to all the previous episodes wherever you pick up your podcasts. This week, my guest is Emo from Moa Ambassa in Italy. Emo is my first guest who's not a native English speaker, but unlike me and my non-existent Italian language skills, Emo speaks great English and really helped me to understand more about the history of Italian reggae and sound system culture, as well as the Moa Ambassa project that's reached such highs over the last few years. We recorded this interview in Ferrara in Italy when I was playing out there before the virus crisis. And we talk a lot about the Zion Station Festival, a festival that sadly, like all the others, is now postponed until 2021. So enough of me, let's get on with the interview. So, Emo, welcome to the Life in Dub podcast. Ciao, Steve. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Here we are in, in Ferrara. Yeah. Kind of location recording on the road. Yeah, 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 true, true. So what I'm doing in the podcast, as many people know now, is I'm asking the same question at the beginning of the podcast. Mm. And the first question I'm asking people is, if they can name a song or a track that really changed things for them, and when they, they, when they think back, they think, yeah, when I heard that track, that really kind of shifted things for me. So I was wondering if... Uh, if you've got an example of, of a track like that you want to share with us. Yeah, well, first of all, give thanks for, for, for inviting me uh, to your podcast. It's a big blessing and a honor for me to, to be Welcome. here with you uh, and uh, a honor to share this time together. So the first tune, the first tune uh, is, well, obviously, the very first 
reggaeton was about Bob Marley. And I remember when I was a child, my father used to listen to vinyls at home and uh, he had a copy of Kaya. The, Al- the Bob Marley album, yeah. I remember that big joint, uh, like a volcano on the back, in the back. <laughs> and I remember he used to play that. But then uh, when I was like uh, 14, a friend of mine, a 15, a friend of mine just gave me a copy from uh, Legend, Bob Marley. And, uh, and we played that cassette all night long. We played that cassette for, for hours and hours. But if I ever name a tune, it's uh, Equal Rights from Peter Tosh. Okay. And why, why this tune? Yeah. Because when I listened to that tune, after listening for um, Mali since a couple of months, uh, it opened my mind and I realized there was much more Apart from Marley, and I started my journey in listening to. At that time, I remember one of the very first was Linton Quizzy Johnson. Okay, yeah, yeah. Dump and poetry. was maybe my second, third live concert I attended. Uh, I was like uh, 16 in Milan. And then Barney Spear, and then. But that tune, uh, Equal Rights and Justice, I love Peter Tosh. He's, he's a great artist. I love Peter Tosh, definitely. He's different from Marley, different from, obviously, from uh, Bunny Whaler. I love the revolutionary side of Peter Tosh. Huh? He is the, yeah. Yeah, definitely. A freedom a, fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A freedom fighter, guy. yeah. A tough man. That tune, I used to listen to that cassette, Equal Rights to that album for months and months and months every day. So what, what kind of time was this? What, what kind of year are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about 94, 94, 93. And just looking at, obviously, you, you grew up in Italy, yeah? Yeah. You grew up in, in the kind of Venice area? Or? Yeah, Venice area, yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. And what what's kind of a bit of, I'm interested in a bit of the history of kind of, Italian reggae, Italian sound system, Italian sort of dub and roots culture. So what, what was kind of what was going on back then and what, how did things kind of progress? Because now we have this amazing big scene, but yeah. you were talking about a time, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, uh, particularly in Venice, we have uh, a quite old and good tradition when it comes about reggae music. Uh, we used to have a lot of bands, mostly because uh, one of the first men who came to Italy with, Jama- with uh, Jamaican music on cassettes of vinyl was a man from Rome. I think you know him, Carlo Pistacchi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he, he lived in Venice, still lived in Venice, and he was spreading a lot of music uh, amongst friends. And then we have all the um, Rototom crew, just one hour far from Venice. And they used to bring a lot of Jamaicans, artists in the area. So we grew up with, with seeing, we just saw all the main uh, Jamaican superstar. Uh, we saw the cultures, we saw gladiators, Abyssinians, uh, 
Black Uru, uh, all of them many, many times. And you're talking about, obviously, like a, a live music scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in the North East, particularly in, at the end of the 90s, it was uh, like uh, two big concerts every month in our area. Yeah. And then after that, all of them came out, like Anthony B, all that. So we have always had a lot of musicians in Venice, reggae music, musicians, players of instruments, and uh, a lot of chanters. And uh, we used to play in two or three bands. And uh, at the end uh, of that, it was one big band with 13, 14 people on the stage. And then after a few years like that, it was like uh, three or four or five people came out from the project and started our project. So it was like 2001. Okay, okay. Because um, in terms of you getting involved in reggae music, you, you, you were kind of brought up with it then, really. Since, uh, since uh, 14 years old, uh-huh. uh, like something like that. Before of that, it was a lot of jazz music because my father used to play jazz. Uh, he, he played the trumpet. So I grew up with a lot tons of Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, all of them, Dizzy Gillespie, all of <laughs> hours and hours and hours. And I studied piano for 10 years. So I remember I spent hours playing Fats Domino. And, and, then I, I, and then it was like rock and roll music for a couple of years, maybe <laughs> around 13 years old. Uh, and then I switched definitely to reggae music. Uh, yeah. So you, you guys kind of formed this, this crew that yeah. came out of this collective of people playing yeah. music. And was that the, that's basically the Moambasa crew? Yeah, okay. exactly. It was like uh, we used to have a couple of studios. Buri, he, he had his own studio. David, the liquor one. I used to have my own studio. And uh, we started going to London to attend Shaka dances and other sounds and uh, the Brixton Rec so, around 99, 2000. So, so it was like... Um, so what, what led you to start to go to Shaka dances? Because you, you're hearing this live music and live bands, yeah. and Rotatom was very much like a live music thing yeah. back then. And yeah. So what, what, what kind of drew you to Shaka and the sound system? It's like he came to Venice, he played on a liquor island, Lido di Venezia, where there is the big um, movie cinema festival every year, and it was like 1996 or seven. I think. Shaka playing Shaka. in Venice. And in and between ninety seven and ninety-nine, I think he played twice in Rome, something like that. And the first time someone of us went to London, it was natural and we had the opportunity to see Shaka a few times there. And then it was the time for the Brixton Rec, University of Dub. And other, other, I remember the rocket in London. And uh, it was a good time. We used to live from Venice on Friday afternoon. We used to arrive in London. We used to go to the Double Shark in Candem. We used to go to um, Daddy Cool. 
Soul Jazz Records. We bought, we buy, we used to buy a lot of uh, records and uh, we attend like two sessions in three days. We used to sleep two or three hours and then we flow back to, to Venice and was... You've got to pack it in if you're like, yeah, if you're yeah, there, yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. to take it up, yeah. take it in as much as yeah. you can. And it was, it was the time when the first uh, dub roots and dub sound system used to play and travel around Italy. The very first sound in Italy is from One Love I Power. In he Rome. used to organize the first dances around 1996, 94, 95, maybe 93, the very first one or something like that. And then, uh, and then there used to be INI Sound Mimo from Bari. Mm-hmm. Yeah, INI, INI Sound System, INI Project. And then we had uh, DJ War from Salento, South Italy. And then it was the time for King David Warriors, Nadine and Matteo in Northwest. And from that, it really all started from that time. Because the whole UK influence is, is a very big thing in like Italian sound system culture because I've been coming here for, yeah. for a very, very long time yeah. and I've seen it kind of grow yeah. over the years and like there's, there's something, I guess, in, in the kind of UK yeah. sound system sort of vibe that's, that's kind of yeah. interesting to... It's almost Italy. 20 years that in UK sounds and artists come and play regularly in Italy. It's almost 20 years, 23 Irish and Steppa, Channel One, King Shiloh, everybody. It was me and Nadi for two or three years together, working together, bringing a lot of artists here. And then she has already done it alone since a couple of years before. And everything there started, you know, with other crews from Milan, from with Fabrizio, Dread Lion, Linea di Massa in Rome. Yeah, lot of, yeah, suddenly a lot, a lot of sounds then, started to yeah, come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, what, yeah. What, why, what do you think attracted like the Italians to this kind of like sort of UK sound system vibe? Can can you think of anything that was kind of any reason it kind of took off here? Because it didn't take off in every country, but Italy from a long time. Uh, if we talk about the sound system, so the the peculiarity of the sound. So I, I mean the the the, the do it yourself thing and. Uh, a lot of boxes, a lot of uh, that kind of hide work, you know. Uh, in Italy, as you know, we all, the, the scene had always is uh, developed in the squat movement, okay? So the most part of the sound system could only play inside squats. And if for certain reasons, it was the best approach for both of them, for the squat to have this non-commercial situation inside of their, you know, area with self-built boxes uh, and uh, all that stuff. And for the sound, it was good because they, it was the only place where they could set up the sound and the stack and play. No clubs. Yeah, people could allow you to... Why are you bringing these speakers in my club and those kind of situations? So it was only about the squats, only about the squats. And we had a lot of squats in Italy. We used to have a lot of squats like 20 years ago. And um, so it was really around this for almost 10 years. It was around these places. 
And uh, I don't know if it's, there's some similarity between the Italian attitude uh, in doing this or... Uh, I don't know, because also in France it was... It was good, and maybe you know we are we are Italian. We are like sometimes we are like easy people, and you know the <laughs> and the Jamaican vibe sometimes. <laughs> but on the other side, you've got it this. It takes this, us so good, and uh, <laughs> but on the other side, you've got this kind of like political kind of you have to fight for your rights in in Italy and something me and Madhu have noticed because we've been coming here for so long is this like you say this DIY underground yeah. political kind of thing that's yeah. and that's kind of at the heart of yeah. sound system for me is that sort of independent spirit yeah we must consider also some social and political aspect because if we see the scene just develop itself amongst 2000 and we can say 2000 and 2010, the very first 10 years, okay. And during that years, the political situation in Italy, it was very rough. We had Berlusconi. For, we guess. had Berlusconi for almost 20 years. And for, for we saw the youth dying in the street on, it was 2002. 2000, it was 2001 in Genoa. We saw the police shooting to the youth in the street and one died. And we had Berlusconi for almost 20 years. So for like the open mind people like we, it was a rough time psychologically, okay? Because it was really rough. We, we could see our country just to disgregate and implode okay and the the the, the political uh, uh, aspect was very uh, was very hard uh, everything was about that everything was about berlusconi and the mafia and all that stuff so it was rough for us to see our country uh, to be treated like that from that people and still goes on. Obviously, nothing changed, nothing really changed, but uh, we had, uh, it was like to go in the squat with your sound system, it was like uh, your moment to express yourself and to fight and don't think about how, how gray was things out from there and how sad was everything out from there. We needed to play reggae music and... Uh, to express ourselves and to and to follow that dream, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, for sure. Because that's that's what I've seen from my time in Italy. Is this kind of the 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 message of the struggle in the lyrics and the music, and also the kind of upliftment and stuff is really yeah. kind of something that seems to kind of resonate with people in Italy and has built this huge scene for, yeah. for reggae and sound system for yeah. sure it's always different then. So at the very beginning, it was like really a pioneer things. And then it was the clubs came in and the productions, the record labels came in, people playing out of the country and stuff like that. So before that, I mean, you guys built a sound system and were running like the dub club. In yeah, Venice yeah, yeah. And... We used to have the sound system. Yeah, it was rough. It was really rough, and we had the Venice Dub Club. We ran that for five years, 
But then we only could play the sound there. There was no way to, to, to move it too much around. It was too tough for us. We are not young. <laughs> it's, it's, it was really rough. So when, when you're trying to produce music and do a label and everything as well, then it's hard to <clears throat> promote stuff. And obviously I know about your festival, which I want to talk about in a bit, but just in this talking about the sound system and this period of history is kind of... Because you started the sound system and there yeah. was a scene growing here. Yeah. But also you had started to produce stuff as yeah. Mo Bassa. Yeah. I'm wondering how that all happened. It was what, that what the kind part, of story behind it that was. It was that part of the process from the band to the to the studio. So we used to play instruments, David, Bori, me, all the brethren still passing through the studio now, like Macaroots, he plays guitar. And then other brethren chanting, Marcus Asha, Daniel Gad, Julius I, and a lot of brethren, all from, everybody from that area. And it was like that natural process. We used to have a liquor, some liquor studio, and then everything went like just to, 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 to concentrate in Buri studio, which get larger and larger, he used to live alone, he used to have the space to do a proper studio. And so all the people started recording stuff there and uh, we, used to, we used to run and use uh, Reason, the Reason software. Yeah, that's yeah, back in the that day. That was the first, like, yeah, plus all the MIDI. And um, it was natural for us to make our music because we used to play our music on the stage from a long time. I mean, it's interesting you talk about being musicians and coming from a musical background because that's what I hear in your music and it makes much more sense now because I, I didn't know you were a musician but if you're a musician yeah. as well and all the other guys because yeah. you can hear this kind of music ability and you can hear a lot of playing yeah. on, on the music you release it's not just some yeah, computerized also, thing also David is studied for many years Buri used to play percussions and used to be always being the more technological uh, of us three. We actually, we are, it's me, Buri and David. During the years, it was more David uh, developing that aspect of compositions, okay? So we are lucky because we have three different attitudes. There is one of us is more technological and that kind and love more that kind of aspect, which is Buri. And he's the dub master, he works in the studio. He's locked up in the studio. Yeah, locks up in the studio. He has a proper, very nice studio. He has done. And then there is Debbie, is the most out of songwriting, okay, part and composing part. It was me working more on the organizations of events and uh, promotion and, uh, and uh, coordinating the label. Okay, and coordinating all these things in order to put out the, the release. Yeah, like to release the work. music, yeah. So... Because uh, what, what seemed to happen is, is, is there were a few releases and then, like, I remember hearing, like, Thank You Jar, yeah. which was, how long ago was that? Uh, uh, five years, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaja, thank you. No, no, before that... Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Jaja, thank, yes. thank you. Jaja, thank you. Jaja, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. almost, I think, 
four years, five years. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought maybe more, but yeah, five years ago. Yeah, and five years ago. That yeah. seemed to be the start of like a real big rise in what you were doing, like quality of productions yeah. and like the quality of the tracks. And and it seemed to, um, people just seemed to love it and it just seemed to like blow up. Yeah, we had a big step during that five years of stop. We we had we released the f the first stuff on two thousand and four, and then we we released three productions two thousand and four, two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Then we stop until two thousand and eleven or twelve. So it was like five years with no releases coming out and. And Buri and David, they work a lot in the studio in that period to develop their own sound and, uh, or, you know what, what I mean, or their own sound, uh, to increase the studio equipment uh, and so on. So after that, on 2011, we came out with Watch Them and then we came out with Jaja Thank You. And then it was uh, Jaja calling, uh, flying away, ever less, ever living from David. And, what, whatever you did in that five-year period, that really worked. Yeah. B before the releases, yeah, because we when, when they the came studio. out, yeah, yeah, when yeah, they came yeah. out, they really seemed yeah. so much kind of, I guess, just higher quality than a lot of stuff that was around, and it sounded fresh and modern, but still sounded like roots music and kind of, and people really. They, they they took to that and and yeah. to say that they they became very popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope David and Buria will be listening. <laughs> Are listening now? They will be happy for your words. Uh, but that um, must have been quite an experience for you because when you release music and suddenly it becomes quite popular, yeah. you've got to deal with all that stuff. And suddenly it's like, you know, back in the day the phone would be ringing, but yeah. like now it's obviously the messages are coming in and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's a lot of work when, when things kick off like that. Yeah, it's a lot of work if you're, yeah, 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 there's a lot of work to do. I see my brethren uh, all the days stuck in the studio. Okay, and when it's about to manage a lot of bookings coming and uh, manage the label uh, issuing, coordinating everything and manage all the contacts and the promotion on the socials and uh, and so on. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to do to do it properly. I mean, in that way. Okay, we have a lot of music, still a lot of music in the in the studio, still not really being released from from that period and after. You can plan to release something really good. It's people who decide if it's going to be yeah. popular or not. And yeah. was it a surprise how it took off? Because it really did take off. It's a people deciding and like always being, always in the sound system, it's the other sound supporting. We remember you supporting us from the very first time. ABBA supported us a lot. And also it was... Uh, Amazing to see Jashaka playing our release and a lot of other people, I can't even remember the names that supported us playing our music and it was the biggest, it is the biggest blessing, okay? Because when we see uh, all the other artists uh, enjoying what we do and catching the vibe of what we do and spreading it in, in their set, 
is uh, is a big thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I play is a big blessing. I so play your music, and I think every time I'm playing any yeah, kind of selection, yeah. I, I I love it, and it fits in with what I do, and because I love stuff that's like melodic as well, and the stuff that you guys produce yeah. has so much melody, and these amazing vocals. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you want to talk about the vocal stuff at all, because obviously. Italian people singing in like what's a second language, I guess. Yeah. But 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 doing such a great job with the with these songs, I mean, and that that's I think that's what really connects with people. Yeah. The, 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 there's no there's no way to explain the reason why, especially in Venice, we have like uh, around our studio, uh, they can pass like ten people singing. Okay. It's all all a brethren singing with us since like twenty years, and there is no reason why. I don't know why. No, I don't it's know why. It's almost strange, like there how, is how David, great the talent uh, It's Diego, Maca, Asher, uh, Daniel, uh, Jules, also uh, Francesco Danai. Imperial Sound Army is he lives just one hour far from us. And a lot of people chanting. There's no, I can't explain this, but a lot of good, good, good singers, a lot of excellent singers. We grew up uh, seeing uh, all the biggest artists on stage. Maybe it's... Yeah, there must, uh, we, must be we just, something. We just grew up with, literally, with culture, uh, and we were in the front row, uh, Abyssinians front row, Black Uru front row, all of them, all of them. So, like, you know... Uh, maybe there's some link to some, like, Italian history of and singing. Italian and Italian tradition with singing is big, is very big. The melodic, you said. Also, in Venice, there is a big tradition for chanting on the boats. While you're working, while you're doing everything, you always chant. So I think that's it. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, there's maybe a link. <laughs> but what the other thing I really liked personally about the productions is they've got this these great vocals and these great melodies, and it sounds like it's authentic roots music, but it doesn't sound like oh, it sounds like a new take on it. And mm. is that something you wanted to do? Is to make it sound modern? Because because it does definitely. Root styles is our sound much more than heavy dubstepper. But I think uh, that because we are not a one-man crew, uh, it's a combination between the, the, the works of two people since few years. It's only about Buri and David working in the studios. At the very beginning, it was three or four of us now since like 10 years, 15 years, it's almost David and Buri. So it's a combination of them styles and them. David is more the composing part. And so he has his own touch, his own melodies. Buri is the more the dub, the dub mixing uh, and uh, but he, he always uh, adds something uh, that combination, the, and they developed their own sound during during the the years, and uh, we always try to 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 do roots music. I'm a big fan of it, <sighs> and like talking about roots is one other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, the Zion Station Festival because yeah. 
Um, I was lucky enough to play there a few years ago. It's really like it's a it's a great roots festival, um, and I just wondered like how that festival started and kind of what it's like to to run a festival like that because it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's not an easy thing. This year, two thousand and twenty, will be the tenth edition. So it's very important for us, and it was hard to to work on it for ten years uh, because in this country, when it comes about music and organizations, events, everything is uh, very difficult. Uh, but here we are, and uh, Zion Station. It just started ten years ago when Simone uh, the. Bredrin, they run a club here in the town where we are now in, in Ferrara. Ferrara. Yeah. They run a club here during the winter. And he invited us for playing in his club like 10 years ago. And he knew about uh, I was, uh, I was uh, bringing artists to Italy uh, from many years. So he asked me to start this collaboration uh, for a small festival uh, that he wanted to 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 do on on the summer next summer in six months something like that so everything started like uh, yeah let's do something together so I take care of the planning and artistic direction and checking the artists calling them and dealing with them and so on and they take care about the the location, the venue, bureaucracy, all the permissions and so on. And and, and then we saw it uh, working really, really well. The place, uh, the place is wonderful. And, uh, yeah, it's a great location. The place is great and, um, and people enjoy the place and the vibe uh, we could create there because we are like a small family. It's only 15, 20 people working on the festival and uh, so we are like a family they work all together during the year in the club uh, and uh, then them still together during the festival and uh, there's a family vibe and uh, people can catch it i remember thinking like a lot of thought had gone into that and that seems to be the vibe of the festival you obviously care yeah. about the, yeah, the lineup try, and the program is one thing i really care about is not to do is what we try to do since maybe the second year. Okay, the first year was different, was a general uh, test, like, you know. So we try to give uh, a key, a vision to the people for every edi edition, different for every edition. So uh, we had like uh, the one edition, we almost had like oh, only live set, live mixing. Okay, and and stuff like that. La last year we had a lot of African artists in the lineup, and we always try to give a vision to the people and uh, to the to the lineup to the list. Okay, and we only repeated just two or three artists a couple of times, but we always try to yeah, call to bring first timers. New, yeah. That's that's one thing we we really love to do. So every year is different, yeah, every year is different. During 10 years, uh, we had a lot of artists and was a big journey, a big journey and uh, really a big blessing for me to have the chance to cooperate with Simone and all the crew. It was a big journey because we saw literally, literally 
the one which now we can consider the, the biggest Italian sound system roots, a reggae festival. Uh, literally, we, we saw it uh, come up and uh, we built it uh, with our hands and it is it, uh, a and big it's blessing. it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I don't know if you want to... I, I don't know if you want to talk about what it's like trying to organize something like that because yeah. but when you're creating a whole festival out of like a nothing in like an empty field yeah it's really a lot of work yeah. yeah it's it's hard 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 work yeah to create a festival from from nothing is uh we we work like 10 days before the festival to set up everything and then you leave the place uh, like 5 days after the end of the festival so you are fully fully working for 20 days and uh, there's a lot of things to do and uh, uh we like we sleep 2 or 3 maybe 3 hours sometime uh, but it's 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 like that. It's no. It can be different from this. It's uh, it's uh, it's not easy, and we love it because of that. Uh, and do you, do you get to enjoy it at all, or is it just? No, we only focus on working. We I personally take care of artists, so we have to run up and down. There's the running, the runner living during the after. three four days of the festival is so tough. And uh, that uh, we don't even see what's going on around us. <laughs> we know what to do and we do it straight. And, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's rough. It's rough. We are only like 10 people. But we love it. We love it like it is. It's, we, we didn't want to grow too much like a festival, you know. We didn't want to grow too much. We had the opportunity to move to other places we have no sponsorship since day one, no sponsorship at all, no money from the local government. You do everything no yourself. Anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. To have a festival that doesn't have sponsorship but still manages to, to keep going and be a success. And yeah. that's that's a great kind of example to, to show people, I think. and Because I know people that come from all over to go yeah, to it because yeah, they yeah, know yeah, it's yeah. going to be the real deal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, and it's a big, big thing when you see that people that uh, often travel and attend to other festivals, they come to our festival and they see, wow, it's, it's so great here because you can enjoy the vibe. I, I remember great, great sessions. Even Shaka last year, it was crazy, you know, uh, when you see Shaka in London, it's different. But, and, and Shaka last year at Zion Station, it was, it was at that level. And it was mad. And I felt it catch the vibe. And, uh, and like him, many, many, many others. So what, what, um, what kind of stuff can we expect from Moambasa and Zion Station and everything going forward? What, what, what new things should we be looking out for? Moambasa, we, we, we are playing a lot around now and uh, we have good bookings, so we are going to play a lot in the next months. This year, 2020, it seems to be a good year. We love to travel and play. We love to be in session. We really love to be in session, so when we have the opportunity, we give 1,000% of ourselves and... Uh, 
and we are having good bookings and uh, I don't know what's going on with the releases um, last one it's from three four months ago and it's going very well and uh, I think we're going to wait a little bit before we we, we we put out something again as you know we... I think it's good to be a bit patient like that because I'm always making music in the studio and I, I release a lot of stuff and a lot yeah. of stuff on other labels and yeah. sometimes I think, wow, maybe I just release too much stuff because I'm always yeah. busy making stuff. But yeah. I think it's good sometimes to wait, spend some time, get it ready. Yeah, yeah. Also because when we release one one song, we don't play it anymore around. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we have so many and we prefer, so yeah, we already know what we're going to release in the next 10 years, maybe. <laughs> All the stuff you're playing exclusively <laughs> yeah. when you play in session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a big work. As you know, we have families, we have other jobs, Okay, so we have a lot of things to do, and uh, music for us is a is a big part of our life, and uh, is a very important part of our life because we do this since since we were young, very young. Well, it's, it's been great talking to you and great to learn a bit more about the kind of history of the Italian yeah. kind of sound system scene. And so last question, I'm asking everybody about the Book of Dub. I'm going to write something about you in the Book of mm. Dub. What would you want written next to your name in the Book of Dub? Oh, how you want to be remembered, huh? Something like that. Ah, it's tough. <laughs> well, musically speaking, uh... I just, I just would like the people I, I always deal with and work with, they have good memories from me. To, okay. like, to, to leave I, a good impression. It's enough. It's enough, enough good memories from me and uh, from the time we spent together. And musically, that's the best, the best thing you can ask because it means they enjoy what you did and they they, they spent good time with you because because this 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 thing we are doing it give us uh, the chance to know a lot of people and it is a big blessing all of that people can say they they had a good times uh with you thanks to you because of you uh, or Whatever, uh, this is the the biggest thing, friend for them during this travel, this journey. Yeah, hundred percent. It's always you know, been good so vibes. So I'm, I'm a fan. Thing. Yeah, nice, nice. And, yeah, by the human side, I would be remembered as a good father, and uh, and that's the most important thing. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, Emo, thank you very much. So it's great thank to talk you, to you. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for joining me and Emo for this 10th episode of the Life in Dub podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Life in Dub wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any comments or suggestions about the show, feel free to email me at vibronics at gmail.com. And as ever, you can visit the website lifeindub.com. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you all again in two weeks for the next Life in Dub podcast.